This is Kari Gale. And this is Tony Critz. Welcome to the Pilgrim Lost Podcast, a space for those who wander and wonder. All right. Are we on? We're on. Woohoo. And you are drinking this morning? Um, actually, I'm still off caffeine. Oh, you are. Not alcohol. That has gone. That has gone. <laughs> <laughs> that was, but that was a great four hours. <laughs> it was like a good week. Good for you. Thank you. But I actually have not had, uh, intentionally had caffeine since the first oh. of the year. Someone slipped it in a chai tea and told me it was decaf, but then I found out later. That happens. It was not. So, hey, out there, forward food and drink, Tanglewood chai is not decaf. I looked it up online because it was so darn good. I thought, well, this could take me through the rest of my decaffeinated life because it was so delicious. Those nefarious caffeine dealers. They're on every corner. <laughs> they're, they're getting into the high schools. We need to start having ca- caffeine filters at the entrance. It's terrible. Shut up. You get to drink it. I know. Well, the new year presses forward. It is yes. a it is a gloomy Saturday morning here in Portland. We are inside Kari's tiny home. By the way, speaking of tiny home, how many views of your tiny home episode? <laughs> Living the big last, in a tiny the house. The last I looked, it was over. <laughs> <laughs> the last I looked, eight minutes ago. <laughs> um, one point two million views. One point two mil million oh, a million. And I have a views. quick a quick story. Okay. Yesterday I was yeah, yeah. at New Seasons. Uh huh. And <laughs> I'm standing there at the checkout line, and this younger guy kind of looks at me and he says. Are you Kari Gale? And I said, No. Uh, yes, I am. And he goes, This is really random. I'm really sorry, but are you in? You're the artist with the tiny house. And I said, Yes, I am. And he's like, <laughs> I said, How do you know me? And he's like, I saw you on the tiny house show. It was my first oh like, Oh my! I was a celebrity sighting. <laughs> your first groupie moment. I oh was my gosh! So you have groupies. Um, no. So, groupie has many different connotations. Oh. Um, I apologize. I learned, I learned about this because I was using the term incorrectly. So, Oh, okay. Um, a, a fan. A fan, yes. A fan. I used it same as you, but then it was corrected by another person. So, there's many different terms for that. Wow. I'm, I, I will have to <laughs> Go eradicate look it, up. <laughs> it from my uh, vocabulary. Okay. Um, a fan, yes. So, my fan, it was a fan sighting or fan, not, no. That's not right. Anyway, I have a fan. I have at least one fan out there. So it was exciting okay. for me. Um, you, without further ado, you are not here alone. You have brought a guest. I have brought a guest. Which is so thrilling. It's been very, very, very exciting because uh, my dear friend Charlie is in town. And she is hailing all the way from the UK. And wow, we first met on the Camino. Uh, well, actually, we didn't actually meet on the Camino. We met because of the Camino, but we met in town of Finister at the end of the Camino. Been and there. we had that's right, you have been there. <laughs> <laughs> been there. Um, we actually have a crazy story of how we met, but first, I think we should say hello. Yes. Hello. Thank you for having me this morning <laughs> <laughs> on this gloomy but beautiful day. <laughs> in our in our city, Portland. It's gorgeous, yeah. I only got here yesterday, so I haven't seen much of it yet, but it is a joy to be here, certainly. First visit? Mm-hmm. Yep. First visit to Oregon as well. So, yeah, super excited and just lovely to see Kari. Yes. Before, I, I'm dying to hear, I've been putting it off 
I, I haven't been letting them talk until we turn on the microphone. But um, before we get into your story, I just I want you I want you to tell me about your shirt you're wearing today. Yeah. So the T-shirt I have on it says "Be kind." Be kind on it. And I was listening to your last podcast and incredibly inspired by um, the words and also the, um, the shift in approach to language and that necessity to know what we're saying and saying it with um, a true sense of feeling and honesty behind it. Um, and I just had happened to have bought this T-shirt a month and a half before from my yoga school. Oh. So I knew that I had to bring it with me and bring it over for this podcast. As soon as Kari said that I was going to come meet you guys, um, I thought, this is the one. This is what I have to bring. So, yeah, I'm, I'm here, and I've got my Be Kind t-shirt on. Fantastic. I feel like I want to get a Be Kind t-shirt. I want to. <laughs> we, need, we need to start a merch page on our I on know, our website. Right? With, like, kindness things. things. Maybe? It's a good yeah. place to start. Full motion things. Yeah. Okay. We'll, we'll work baseball on that. Baseball caps and mugs. Come on. Who doesn't need another who baseball need, cap? <laughs> who doesn't need a mouse pad? <laughs> <laughs> you know, I sell my art on like Society Six, and they have everything in the world that you could ever, ever, ever sell your stuff on. Mm-hmm. And so we could do shower curtains, C- comforters, duvets. Sorry, duvets. <laughs> Man, my I'm just missing it on vocabulary. Clearly. Well. Okay. So. Tell me, tell me. Okay, so the story is so fun because we actually, the first time we met, we didn't actually meet. We just walked by each other. And we were on the island of Iona. Some of you know that I had stayed on the island of Iona doing a residency, an artist residency there. Um, This was my first time on Iona, which was in February of 2016. And it was probably, actually probably the beginning of March. So I was literally leaving the island to take the ferry to head down back to the mainland and then take a plane to go to Spain. And I'm walking away from the hostel where I've just lived for a month, and it's there's one road. I'm sorry, where where's Iona? Iona, sorry, that's, that's a, a good question because it, it's a tiny, tiny island off the coast of Scotland in the Inner Hebrides. Okay. So, and it's kind of a, it's, it's, it's not a place people do go to um, on the way to someplace else because you really have to be intentional about getting there. You probably would fly into Edinburgh. You'd take a train to Oban, which is on the coast of Scotland. Yeah, then you take details. a ferry Back over. to Charlie. <laughs> <laughs> Basically, it takes two ferries and multiple bus rides, and you finally reach this tiny island. So so Charlie is walking towards me There's with a, um, a gentleman. The two of them are walking, and I see her out of the corner of my eye, just because it's a one road and it's we're the only people on it. And um, I saw her and I thought, she looks really cool. And we smiled at each other. Mm-hmm. And then you I passed it? her. You remember that moment, Charlie? Absolutely. And I describe it from the other position on a regular <laughs> basis um, and say, there was this woman walking towards me and she was tall and had bright red lipstick on. And she was so striking. I was just fascinated by her. So we greeted each other, but without words. Yeah. And then just continued walking. So I get to the ferry, and uh, I'm in the ferry waiting area, and the man that had been with her was sitting in the ferry room as well. So he had just come to the island for the day. They had met on the ferry, and Charlie was staying on Iona for a few days. And so I said, oh, my gosh. I wasn't really interested in him at all, but I said, that woman that you were with, who was she? And he said, oh, she's, uh, she's her name is Charlie, and she's 
going to be walking, you know, we got into conversation about you. And he said that she was going to be walking the Camino. And I thought, oh my goodness. <laughs> um, so I'm like, that's the connection. We had this moment. So uh, I head off to Oban to stay in the hostel. And um, and at the very same time, yes, I just arrived at the hostel on Iona, where Kari had been staying. And obviously start telling my story and interacting with the guys who are hosting there. Mm-hmm. And they said to me, you're an artist. I said, yes. And they said, and you're going to walk the Camino de Santiago? I said, yes. And they said, you've just missed Kari. She's been living here for a month. She's an artist. She's, she's done a book about the Camino. I can't believe you guys have been so close and missed each other. Here's her postcard. So I had her contact details. Okay. So there was this moment where all of a sudden I had your name and we had seen each other, but I still needed to reach out and connect with you, even though I felt we already had but in a kind of exactly. official way, yeah. So I arrived. So you guys never spoke. No, no, on no, Iona. no, 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 never. Oh goodness! <laughs> so it, it gets We're two ships, two ships that pass <laughs> in the night. Okay, keep going. <laughs> that was a beautiful rendition. <laughs> Thank you. I'm, I'm here all week. Oh, I see. Where's your tip jar? I need to throw something in it. Um, so I get to the hostel on Oban and get a room and there's a wonderful woman in the room. Her name is Crystal and we start chatting and what do you do? What are you, where are you going? That conversation that travelers have. And mm-hmm. I end up talking about the Camino and my book and what I was doing. And I, cause I was heading back to Spain to have some exhibitions of the work I had done on the Camino. So I hand her my postcard. Um, and then the next morning I head off to Edinburgh to take my, to get, my flight so so after a couple of days on Iona I then came back to the mainland to Oban one bus well one ferry one bus another ferry yeah it's full of intention getting to Iona and getting back it's by no accident that either of us were there Um, and then back on the mainland I check back into the hostel I'd stayed in prior and Crystal who I'd stayed with before I'd gone to Iona was still in the hostel Uh and she said oh, there was this girl here called Corey. She gave me this postcard and I knew you were going to walk the Camino. So I, I, I knew I needed to give it to you. I was like, okay, I have this postcard twice now. This is, yeah, I, I, I'm, this I, is I hear it. Land. I hear it. So I went down to the computer and um, I emailed you straight away. Yes. Yeah. So I get this email and hearing this crazy story that, like basically the universe has been throwing my postcards at her you guys need to meet so I read that she's going to be walking the Camino and I respond and I excitedly say I think I'm going to be in Finisterre doing my first exhibit right around the time when you'll be finishing your Camino so we must meet so we both agreed yes let's meet and then kind of forgot about it yeah absolutely there was so much going going on on, in both of our lives at that time that we kind of carried on doing and being and getting on with all the challenges and things that were happening there and then. It's very distracting walking 600 miles. Yeah, it can be, certainly. Yeah. Yeah. A bit. (laughs) And I was getting ready for my exhibits and trying to do all the things you do to deal with preparing, but all in Spanish, which was a challenge for me. And Mm. so, I mean, I speak Spanish, but never have done it in the capacity that I needed to work with printers and you do all the things you do. So, uh, so anyway, the the man that was actually um, 
facilitating the exhibits for me was is named Julio, and he at the time, um, by the way, Charlie, yes, he is now running the Parador in Muxia. They started a Parador in Muxia. Oh, yeah. okay. So the Parador is a really okay. schmancy hotel in Santiago that <laughs> is actually known. People probably saw it in The Way, the movie The Way, but it's the really nice hotel that they stayed at the end. It's mm. very luxurious so julio is it's a state actually a state-run hotel so it's not owned by a single individual but julio is the general manager so the kind of the top dog at the hotel and i met him through another crazy story that we won't tell tonight or today this morning <laughs> sorry yeah, anytime now you guys are going to actually meet i can't wait <laughs> <Not> <laughs> we are so not there I'm yet on, i'm on the <laughs> edge of we're my we're not seat. there yet so he um he is also an artist, and I got introduced to him, and he invited me to do these exhibits of my work, uh, work I had done in my journal, but I did larger copies, and, and so he facilitated the one in Santiago, and then also one in Finisterre, where his, he's very, uh, his hometown is very near Finisterre, so he's very attached to it. So he was the man that was helping me. So fast forward, oh wait, so, so you have finished the Camino so, at this point. So um, I had walked the Camino and gone through that journey as it is both physical and mental and emotional and spiritual. And we probably hadn't spoken to each other, Kari, for maybe two months at that yeah, point. Or messaged. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and I got to Santiago and then took four days off. So I had no fixed schedule. Uh, I had a flight home like three weeks or two weeks later. So I, I knew that I had lots of time to play with. Mm. And I really wanted to... Um, take in arriving to Santiago. Mm -hmm. However, for me, the end was always the sea because I have um, a really strong connection with water. Mm. And in fact, to this day, which I'll talk about a little bit later, um, water is still something that I very much feel I resonate between and within. Um, mm. So I'd finished walking the Camino and taken a couple days off as you might think you would do after walking 500 miles. And so I continued walking on towards Finisterre, which for me was where I was aiming for, and then off to Mushia, that was the plan. And after two hours of walking and meeting some lovely new people, because my Camino family had shifted a little because of that four day break, I, um, I fell over and twisted my ankle. Oh. Mm -hmm. To the point where I couldn't really walk anymore. So I was really not very far out of Santiago at all. And um, there was a guy walking with some friends and he stayed back and we kind of, he helped me hobble along and gave me his pack because it was lighter. And um, yeah, tried to get me onwards. And then at lunchtime decided, look, you're just probably doing much more damage now. And it was really hard for me because the end was never Santiago. The end was the coast, right. that kind of end of the physical earth where you could really go no further. And that's what Finisterre means, right? Yep. Mm. End, end, end of the earth. End of the earth, end yeah. of the world. Yeah. 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 So it was all pulling me in that direction. And then somehow I felt like I'd been stopped. And there was this dialogue within me going mm. on about the thing you want and the thing you've been aiming for mm. and then not being able to fulfill that and and what that does to you and, and the ego, which is at the core of it, you know. Right. And that's the whole thing that during the Camino, you feel like you're opening, um, you're opening yourself up to listen more and hear that ego and acknowledge it 
but also allow yourself to become somewhat distanced from it so that it isn't the thing that drives you, but you're aware that it exists. Um, so I'd fallen over, I twisted my ankle and decided to stop walking and jumped in a cab with this um, lovely guy from New York um, and he was making sure that I was okay and I had some tablets uh, and we got to a, an albergue and we stayed there for the night. Guest and got house. Yes, a guest house. Um, and then uh, the next morning got another cab a little bit further along. So we were, uh, I think, seven or 11 kilometers um, away from Finisterre so that I could try and hobble my way into the end, even though obviously the continuity of the journey had been somewhat dis disrupted. But with this in mind, my schedule was completely changed. So when I got to Finisterre, we found somewhere to stay and we went out to find some dinner. And when we got to this lovely restaurant, there were two cyclists outside the restaurant and they just cycled all the way down from Santiago. And the one guy, he was like, oh, you have to eat in here. It's absolutely amazing. Uh, so we went in, we ended up sitting next to them and getting chatting. And it turns out that this guy, it's his sister that owns the restaurant. And we're thinking, oh, yeah. So you were, you were saying this is such an amazing. It was incredible, the restaurant. It was absolutely <laughs> worth every second. Um, and his name was Julio. Ah. Yeah. And so I started The telling, very same Julio. The very dun, dun, same dun. Julio. <laughs> get to chatting right yeah so we got to chatting and um i told him my story i'm an artist i was walking the camino making work every day he said oh you have to meet this girl i said hang on wait is her name cory he went yes <laughs> well, how, how do you know i was like okay do you have a mobile number please can yeah. i just have it because i need to reach out to this guy he said she's due to get here tomorrow morning yes so she reaches out to me. She's like, I'm in Finisterre. I just met Julio in the cafe. <laughs> By this time, none of this is surprising me anymore. Right. Right. Absolutely. And so I said, I'm, I'm coming tomorrow morning. And you, I think you had said in the email as well or the text that it was you were leaving. You were planning to leave. I was due to leave that morning on the bus that would have left about 30 minutes before your bus before arrived. Before I arrived. So I'm like, don't go. <laughs> So we arranged that we would meet in like the little plaza outside right next to the bus station. And so I arrive, drop my stuff off, make my way to the center of town. And there she is. <laughs> and it really did feel like that because it was, it, it yeah. was probably one of the there most. a glow and it, Shekinah. It, and... It, oh, stars were like twinkling around, even though it was daytime. It was amazing. No. <laughs> so we, we, um. We start chatting and, uh, of course, immediately hit it off. Mm -hmm. And I just happened to have, I was renting an apartment there. I was living there for the month. Uh, and I had oh, no choice but to rent this two-bedroom. That was what was available. So I had this big two-bedroom apartment that was actually quite lovely. Mm. Um, and I had rented it and paid for the month. And uh, so we're chatting. And I said, what, when, are you, when, do you, when are you planning on leaving? And you said, well, I was going to take the bus, right? <laughs> Just a, an hour ago. Yep. And I said, I don't think you should go. I think you should, whatever flight you have, you should change it and mm -hmm. stay with me mm -hmm. for a while. And you said, that sounds wonderful. Yeah. yeah. So she ended up really? staying mm. with me for two weeks. Yeah, two weeks. Two weeks. And um, she was amazing because she helped me. She was like my show assistant 
which was amazing. It's really hard to hang. Like I had to hang an exhibition in in the lighthouse, and we we had many adventures. But <laughs> it was so lovely to have you there and just to get to know you for those two weeks. And it was yeah. so mellow and um, just a, a wonderful gift. So. Yeah. Super um, grateful for that opportunity to actually come together. I mean, it was always going to happen by apparently. the looks of things. We didn't have any say in it, I don't think. But um, yeah, absolutely. So um, that's amazing. Can I just say one more thing? Please, yeah. In addition to all of that, it is incredible to be able to tell that story with you because we're like two separate nodes resonating on different sides of the earth most of the time uh-huh. and we both carry this story with us right but to actually be back together and to be able to retell it together it's so special like it brings tears to my eyes because when i tell the story i get goosebumps anyway and yeah. all my hairs on my arms and they just all stand <laughs> up because it's it's such an incredible meeting of two souls absolutely um and yeah it's a real joy to be able mm. to be here and and share it with everybody listening, um, but also just, you know, just to bring it back to life. Yeah. Um, thank you. And this is the really, we got the chance to see each other after that time period in Wales for uh, two days, I think. You mm-hmm. picked me up in in Bristol uh-huh. and then drove me over to where I was starting to walk the Pembrokeshire coastal path mm-hmm. and put me on a train. And we had one night to hang out and connect. But that's really it since since 2016 yeah so this is our first time and it's charlie's first time in portland Mm -hmm. so i'm a little um i'm i've got this mission to show her portland and take her around so we're going to do some all all that fun things today and this weekend but Mm. we wanted to have her on the podcast yes not only because clearly as you guys can all hear she's just an amazing person and um clearly has oh guys (laughs) (laughs) i'm blushing (laughs) has uh has incredible stories and perspective but also she is our first guest to have also walked the camino which is a fun thing Mm -hmm. to i mean she okay let's be honest she's our second guest but (laughs) (laughs) of the many guests that we have (laughs) yeah and going into 2020 one of cars and my goals is to start to get more voices on the microphone telling Mm -hmm. their stories particularly friends when we come across them who have walked the Camino or done pilgriming type practices. Mm-hmm. So Absolutely. You can be looking forward to that and we couldn't have had a better first person. Than Thank Charlie. you very much. And Charlie, just so you know, Pilgrim Lost is this, it's this passion project of Kari's and mine mm-hmm. um, where that we say is inspired by the Camino because mm-hmm. we've both walked the Camino and you have, mm-hmm. but focused on everyday life. Yep. And um, in light of that, I would love to just hear a little bit of the inspired by the Camino part. What was it for you? What did you learn when you when you think back? What are the what are the strongest impressions of your time? Could you just share a few things? Absolutely. Um, I was at a punctuation point in my life, as so Mm. many of us are when we walk the Camino. Um, I had just gone through a breakup. Um, I was looking for a space and a journey that would allow me to rehear my rhythm. Mm. That's what I was trying to reconnect with, uh, away from the noise that is so incredibly distracting um, and the simplicity that mm. the Camino offers physically. Obviously, it's a, it's a huge asking to walk 500 miles, but packing a bag every morning and all the rustling of everybody's bags at five o'clock in the morning and the repacking and 
you know, going out into nature or on the path and experiencing that that landscape, that landscape of voices and that landscape, um, that natural landscape and allowing it to wash over you. It was an incredible experience that facilitated that rhythm of my own to become strong again. And it had to become weak in order for it to become strong. It had to go through mm. that process. I had to almost become lost within what it was to then become found again. Mm. Um, and as I mentioned at the beginning, I'm also an artist. Um, and I'm, I would say, a, a movement practitioner. So um, I'm fascinated in how our body and our identity inscribes on place and how those places that we journey through inscribe back on us. So every morning on the Camino, I would draw for an hour and I would do something that was an automatic drawing. So I'd take a pen and paper and I would put the pen on the paper and then almost forget that it was connected there and allow my body and the movement of the walking to create this linear movement on the page. So it's not a representation of the journey, it's a representation of a period of time and movement through a space. And afterwards, it's um, when you look at these drawings, they are like a remapping, a remapping of your body, uh, but also a remapping of, of the journey that you've been through on that morning. So that was a practice I'd been doing in the UK before I'd left. Um, in absolutely fascinated with the way in which our physical experience um, is inscribed on our lived experience. So our everyday life, like commuting to work, something so banal, something so mundane and everyday, how can that become a creative journey? How can that become something where we open it to discussion? It becomes a discursive space and not just a linear back and forth repetition where nothing happens, but an A and a B where you're trying to um, objectively achieve this thing in order to earn money. How do we reopen that journey to make it something more so that it gives back again? Um, so I was able to integrate that into my everyday practice when I was living in Bristol, which is where I still live today. Um, and that's in the UK, just near the Welsh border. Um, and thank you, thank you. We need no, that. <laughs> not at all. Um, and uh, actually, that brings me on to the fact that I'm a geographer first and foremost, and a choreographer. So my first degree is in geography and international relations, and my second degree is in fine art and contemporary movement. So those two coming together, that's where my journeying exists. So walking the Camino for me was an incredible opportunity to try and find an authentic rhythm again, as opposed to trying to adhere to another rhythm. So I just feel every day it gives back to me still. Hmm. And if I ever feel hectic, you know, in everyday life, there are demands and there are challenges and time frames, and you're trying to achieve something in particular for something, all these structures around us that exist. Well, I listen to my feet. Hmm. I listen to my footsteps. And whether I'll be walking on a pavement in a city or across a path over a hill or alongside a river, it's how those footsteps and that rhythm reasserts itself and connects with the land. Hmm. And that's my, my most, I guess, physical and emotional reconnection with the Camino every day in any place. And you can take it anywhere with you. 
Um, and the second thing that I do um, every day is each morning I thank my feet. When I'm in the shower, I wash my feet and I give them a little rub and I thank them because hmm. you have to look after your feet because then they will look after you. Hmm. Yeah. Wow. Um, I'm not even sure where to go after all of that. That was <laughs> fantastic and so well said. Um, for things that jumped out at me, um, I was a point in my life, a point of punctuation in my life. I thought mm. that was a poetic way of saying it mm. that spoke. I know that Kari was at a profound punctuation when she walked the Camino. And for me, I was absolutely lost at mm. that stage. And the way that you talked about needing to go and find your authentic rhythm, and that's what you were doing. I so related to that language because mm. that's what it was for me. And you talked about the simplicity and the centrality mm. of the simplicity in order to sort of get past the the noise mm. and the cacophony of life yeah. and the the gift of, of having an extended period of time to do that mm. within this space. So thank you. That was really, really quite lovely. I, I, I had told Tony uh, prior, I said, we can put Charlie on the mic, no problem. <laughs> <laughs> Clearly, right? Just turn I, it on. I I love the idea of that rhythm of the... So one of the things I think that we... Until you walk the Camino or have done a long trek somewhere, you really don't pay attention to your feet. Hmm. Unless you have some sort of foot ailment that maybe, you right. know. Hmm. But it is really becomes the very first thing that you oh. take care of mm. and have to have to really prioritize yeah and so crazy it's it is this thing that i love that you hearken back to that not not just when you're hiking or you're on a long walk but every day that you mm. you thank your feet for for i mean really it's it's that beautiful idea that that you can listen to that rhythm anywhere that really struck me mm. and I think part of the magic of the Camino, and we've discussed this a little bit before, is that you're literally walking in these footsteps that people have walked for thousands of years. Yeah. And that moment of um, being sort of swallowed up by mm -hmm. by the past, but still being present in that moment that you're walking it is really, for me, there wasn't, I hadn't experienced that particular mm. um, piece of it. Because I think when you travel you can go and you can see a cathedral and you sort of are the observer. And on the Camino, you are participating in history somehow. Yeah. And so it feels that it's that interaction, I think, that really resonates with people, that changes them. Because mm. you can go and have an amazing trip and see a lot of things, but it's that stepping into that space and moving within it that, that I think impacts people and changes them jumping into the river yeah yeah absolutely and we talked we talked about the river <laughs> the the river this idea of this flow and um yeah i i um i really appreciate the way you phrased all of that too so amazing yeah well it's a real gift to be able to be with two other fellow pellegrinos <laughs> it's um not very often that it happens and it's yet yeah, a joy to be able to hear your own um, 
rememberings and and what you carry forth with you as well because it can be really challenging sometimes to reground yourself in those experiences when everyday life is jumping around you but it's um as you say we were so lucky we're also lucky to have been given that gift of time yes to be able to do that journey yes that um yeah that's a that's the great transition because um it really is a point of profound privilege yeah. to walk the Camino. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a privilege financially. Um, it's a privilege of time to be able to find that large of a pause that few people can find. And then it's a privilege of relationships to have the sorts of people around you that like release you yeah. either from your job mm-hmm. or from uh, like I'm married with kids. And so my family had had to really sort of agree to this as a, a necessary thing for me to sort of move through this time of, mm-hmm. of pain and sort of lostness in my life. And those are all really, really profound pieces of privilege mm. connected to walking the Camino. And you, with your work and your artistry, um, could you just speak a little bit to that? Let me say it. Let me say it this way. Mm-hmm. Everyone I talk to who's been on the Camino says it was a transformational experience. Okay. Mm. If it is truly transformational then it must be, there must be something inherently human that we're experiencing. And if it is inherently human, then it cannot be predicated upon privilege. It must be available to everyone. This is my thesis. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So could you just maybe free associate? How can those sorts of experiences or maybe themes of the Camino be integrated into somebody's life who can't break away for a month, who doesn't have the finances? Do you have any thoughts on that? That is an incredibly interesting question and also oh. very challenging. You could have given me a heads up in advance <laughs> about this one. Um, so for me, the way that I have shared my Camino experience right. Um is giving a little piece of it sometimes to people through communication. So when, so I'm a tour guide up in Scotland now, actually. Oh, wow. Yeah, I lead tours for Rick Steves Europe, and I get to Ooh. go to Iona on every single tour. Wow. So I get to share our story of how my pilgrimage started. And the shell that I carried was also from Scotland. Hmm. And um, sharing those, you know, the details and um, the really human elements, I think, of the Camino with people. It's almost our responsibility to communicate and share them Hmm. so that people can feel that they have a relationship and an access to those emotions, but just through everyday things. Because actually, it is still every day. It's just that we're given the gift of it being, it's because it's a contained period. And as you say, it's following these footsteps of the many. But it's also going before the footsteps of the others behind us Mm. who will also walk it. And that can be anyone. And to allow people who maybe don't have the opportunity now or haven't had it yet Mm. to feel that they could walk it at some point in their life um, by really humanizing your experience and also telling the magical stories as well I think that makes it more accessible. And even if people don't end up walking it, perhaps those small stories can bring an element of something, the flavor of it to them. Um, And perhaps that can give something 
in that instance where they're not able to walk it themselves. But I'm very much a believer of, um, so one of the um, themes in my creativity is uh, choreography of the everyday. So bringing a creativity and um, bringing the things that aren't normally considered part of our everyday into our everyday. Hmm. So allowing and facilitating that uh, in the discussion about pilgrimage, that is certainly something that I, I try and do, especially when I'm working. So um, the tours that I lead, they start in Edinburgh and then um, we go up to St. Andrews, which is just, that's an old pilgrimage route in and of itself, which is fantastic to share with people. But when I get there, I tell the group that I always put my hands in the, in the North Sea. So I put my hands in the sea there and then as we travel across the country, one of the, the other trips that we do during the day, we go to Loch Ness. I put my hands in Loch Ness. And as we travel south down the Great Glen, we stay in Oban, and then we go out to Iona on our last but one day. I put my hands in the sea there too. And it's this journey of carrying and associating with this fluidity that is everywhere around us. And I invite people to do the same thing if they wish and connecting to something that is everywhere around us. It's, it, it makes it so accessible because it's there and you don't have to go somewhere special or framed or named in order to do that or be that thing that you sometimes wish you could do. It's all around us, but sometimes you just have to be invited. Mm. What I'm hearing is we are, I don't know if lazy is the right term, but there's, there's an ability to bring sacredness into things that we've been convinced or we've been hypnotized into believing they're mundane when yes. in fact they're sacred. Absolutely. Isn't every moment. Exactly. If we're present to it. Yeah. If our eyes are open to it, if we're, if we're, you know, so I walk around the city a couple times a week mm -hmm. is part of my practice, part of my post pilgrimage practice. Mm -hmm. Very quickly. He actually, he's a very quick walker. <laughs> <laughs> so it but one of the things that long. I do is I drag my fingertips along the trees as I pass them. Portland is full of trees. Every, every, mm. every road is tree lined. And I drag my fingertips across the bark as I walk mm -hmm. and I greet the tree because I want to acknowledge this beautiful life form yeah. that's there. And it's so gorgeous. It's an entire mm. universe of beauty. Mm. And yet, because I see a thousand of them a day, mm. I tend to just, I don't even see them anymore. Yeah. I don't even notice them. Yeah. It's like the people who live outside downtown. You pass on the street and they become the equivalent of a light post or a mailbox to you because mm. you don't even notice them. Mm. These beautiful eternal creatures. Mm. So beautiful. C.S. Lewis said, if I realized how beautiful a transient person is, I would drop to my knees and worship them because of how gorgeous they are. And, um, you know, these things in my life that I just don't even notice that are so important. And do we bring sacredness into this these things we've been hypnotized to believe are mundane mm -hmm. and they are not. Mm -hmm. Am I hearing you correctly? Yeah. Okay. Absolutely. Mm. The, the a very kind of a silly example of that is, uh, you know, every morning I used to, right now I'm not in that space, but I used to have oatmeal for breakfast. <laughs> you know, it's silly. It's silly. If you guys will, can laugh along with me, but 
most I think most of America is sort of circled around this idea of how fast we can get through things how how convenient and efficient are we in our lives and we have we have sacredized that and efficiency is king and so mm. um, I had gotten this first when I first moved into my tiny house and I had a new job that was I was working from home so I didn't have to run a, off and get in my car and head out for an hour on the freeway like I used to before I had traveled and I bought the wrong type of oatmeal it wasn't the three minute quick oatmeal mm. it was the long kind which is <laughs> you know 20 15 20 minutes and I was so mad at myself but that was what I had so I'm sitting there cooking this oatmeal and it struck me this is a luxury. This is a moment where you don't have to run off to the next thing. Mm. You get to take 20 minutes and make oatmeal. Mm. And isn't that a beautiful and magical thing? And then you can sit down and you can eat it slowly and you can savor each bite. And I, that just really struck me that with this very, very simple mm -hmm. everyday thing of eating oatmeal that and so I've looked at it that way ever since, that if it takes me longer, I get that luxury of being able to um, enjoy that moment, to spend time in that space rather than rushing through it. And um, I think part of that overall overarching Camino um, transformation is that slowing down. Mm. And, that, and that idea that we can be present is much, much harder than... It sounds, it sounds lovely. We all talk about being present, but really is intentional. And you really have to, whether it's running your hands along the tree bark or putting your hand in the ocean, like taking those moments and making that connection is, is really important. It's not something that changes overnight. I mean, it's been six years now, seven years now since my first Camino, and it feels like a constant work in progress, um, a constant kind of unfolding as it were of of finding those moments and those ways to reconnect and be present charlie can i tell you about my morning foot yes please practice yes um i don't know uh, if i want to hear about it <laughs> <laughs> well my first confession is that i don't shower every day as a matter of fact i often shower once a week but um it was today though right i can tell no. Oh, <laughs> no. <laughs> no, actually. <laughs> so anyway, moving along. Uh, so uh, our home is, we, my bedroom's on the top floor. Mm -hmm. And it's an old house, well, by American standards, 100 years old. Okay. And the stairwell is steep going from the upstairs to the downstairs. And um, so I come out of my bedroom and I'm still waking up. And I come to the crest of the stairs and I look at my feet. And then each step is a person. Oh. Each step wow. represents my my family, uh, uh, my brother-in-law, who's very sick and probably not long for this world. Mm -hmm. And so I I watch my feet. Barefoot in the morning, yeah. And I step on each step, and just pause for two seconds on each step, just to think through these people, yeah. And to 
to let my day begin with thoughts of them. Mm -hmm. Wow, I didn't expect to be so emotional about that, but that's my that's my Thank morning you. practice. Thank you. That's beautiful. Yeah. Oh. Rescue me, Kari. Isn't there a song? <laughs> Rescue me. <laughs> Sorry, I won't. I won't. It's too early in the morning. It's, yeah. it's uh, well, it's actually noon. I could start singing if I wanted to. Sure. <laughs> Charlie, thank you so much. It has been such a pleasure. Thank First you for of all, me. I'm so excited. I, I get like three whole more days with her. But we're so um, grateful to have you here at Pilgrim Lost and for sharing your, um, well, just all of you with us. Thank you. Before we wrap up, may I ask one more thing? Yes, of course. Is there anything you haven't had a chance to say that you would like to say? Oh, that's a wonderful question and very open-ended. <laughs> How long have you got? <laughs> um, no, I think I. Um, this has been a really wonderful way to kind of throw ideas and memories and into the mix and to, to remember collectively from mm. each of our different footsteps. And um, I think the only thing I would throw in right at the very end would be um, this consciousness, this presence that we talk about, mm. that like you said, Kari, it, it is so difficult to integrate into the everyday. And we all have our practices that we try and we weave it in somehow. And um, I think the most uh, precious time and gift that we can have is to allow to weave that with more more people as we move forwards and to ensure that those that we hold dear to us, we, we hold onto that cloth that we've woven and we keep it close to our hearts. Yeah. Lovely. Thank you, Charlie. Thank you. Thank you, Charlie. Thank you, Kari. Thank you, Tony. <laughs> and thanks to all of you. Thanks for getting lost with us. Thank you for walking with us. To stay connected, visit us at pilgrimlost.com. Please comment, share, and respond. Mm -hmm.